Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen by the hoary hosts of Hogoth, it's Mike and Mike go to the movies. Hi, I'm Mike Smith, and joining me as always is a multiversal variant and a close friend of Pizza Papa. <laughs> Mike DeGrecio. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm excited. We're the, the movies are back, baby. That's all I'm going to say up front. Um, <laughs> Every episode from here on out. The movies, they're back. They're back, baby. <laughs> I'm going to theaters, and it's scary because there's a lot of people at this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also went out to uh, Spider-Man No Way Home a few months back, right? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home was a lot. But the most recent movies I saw was Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was in the smallest theater at the multiplex. Uh, right. And then the movie I saw like three days before the, this movie today was The Northman. Uh, yeah, which it, was like in defiance of this movie opening up, you went to go see The Northman. Correct. <laughs> 70 screening times. Fuck out of here. I'm going to The Northman. Um <laughs> And then, Did you go to the AMC in Times Square where they were showing it seventy times? <laughs> no, what are you insane? Because um, <laughs> I was, I was actually thinking about that, like, because that was like a, a thing where people were making fun of like how many showtimes there were for Doctor Strange at the AMC in Times Square and stuff. And like, I get it, you know, and it's it's fun to you know make fun of that, like that whole like culture around it. Like that's the case in a lot of theaters where like all of their theaters are showing Doctor Strange with the AMC in Times Square. That's got to be the most touristy theater of all time, though, right? I can't. I like, mean, theoretically, yeah. like. You know, as as far as like a touristy theater chain goes, like, you know, it's got to be one of the busiest theaters. Like, and from what I understand, they have more screens than just those 70 screens, like I would, I 70 guess so. showtimes. Yeah. So I think they were still showing other movies besides Doctor Strange, which is wild. I did. I did try to look, but I just was not I couldn't be bothered uh, as soon as it didn't immediately happen on the app. I was like, I ah, forget it. Um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, but no, I went to my, my local Regal uh, to see The Northman and then... Um, this past weekend, in between the Northmen and seeing the new movie, I mean, it's Doctor Strange. It's in the title. Yeah, uh, the episode, we, I, I've already mentioned it already. So we're, we're yeah. Gonna... <laughs> uh, in between seeing Doctor Strange and or the Northmen and then Doctor Strange, I watched three Sam Raimi movies. I watched Drag Me to Hell, Evil Dead Two, and Army of Darkness. And then I was like, "Fuck, I gotta go see Doctor Strange." <laughs> 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 like I guess I'm doing it. I got I Every gave myself time the I fever. think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah, yeah. I gave myself the fever for Sam Raimi and uh <laughs> the prescription was right there, you know? Yeah, you are the most reluctant Marvel fan. <laughs> That, is, that has ever been. I wouldn't call you a Marvel fan, but you like go to see everything like despite yourself. Marvel hostage, more like it. Yes, uh, that but that might be a more accurate term. But also, you enjoy most of the stuff that we see I, from Marvel too. Okay, son of a, I wish I hated something just once. <laughs> um, well, you skipped Eternals, so there was. I that. did skip Eternals, uh, but that may you know stay tuned. Maybe maybe there'll be more to dissect there coming up. Interesting, interesting. So uh, yeah, as uh, Mike mentioned, we are talking Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness today, uh, which is the 28th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the new movie uh, directed by Sam Raimi. 
uh, which is a very exciting thing because Sam Raimi has not directed a movie in nine years uh, and has not directed a horror movie since Drag Me to Hell in 2009. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, he did direct the pilot episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead, which is very good. But still, there hasn't been a full-length Sam Raimi project in quite some time. And when he was hired for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it was kind of a surprising choice um, because Scott Derrickson, who directed the first Doctor Strange, uh, and has kind of a horror background, also directed Sinister. He left the project over creative differences. Uh, and, you know, he had talked about wanting to make Doctor Strange into like a horror movie. And everybody's like, oh, I guess Marvel is, uh, you know, too too chicken shit to do like a real horror movie. And then they go around and hire Sam Raimi. And it was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. Very strange. It's a weird because I was trying to remember as I'm like sitting there watching the previews for the before this movie. I'm like, didn't they like say this once already? Didn't they do that where they're like, it's a, the Marvel horror movie, and it was Doctor Strange one, right? Was what they were talking about. I, th- I think there was maybe like elements of that in the first Doctor Strange. I mean, there really isn't. Like, it's no. it's much more of like a you know. I think Scott Derrickson has a horror background, and I think the sequence where you know Strange travels through all the dimensions when they kind of open his mind for the first time yeah. has like a little bit of elements of that. Um, but really, it's not it's not even remotely attempting to be a horror movie. <laughs> no, not at all. So I was like, what could people be so mad about this movie? You know, <laughs> as I'm waiting for the previews to end. <laughs> And I guess we'll get into it soon. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's going to be a lot of really fun stuff to uh, dissect with this one. But yeah, originally we were going to do discussions today, and then Mike ended up seeing Doctor Strange. So we're going to table discussions and push that to uh, next week. Uh, but hey, why not? Quick thoughts on The Northman while we're at it here, Mike. <laughs> I mean, rocks. Really good. Uh, it's for sure a uh, Robert Eggers movie, and I can't believe that that got made. Like, I don't yeah. understand. Like, I was watching it, and I'm like, ah, oh, yes, it's the same thing as The Witch. And then I remembered that The Witch has six people in it. Um, <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> Hold on. Um, and But surprisingly, sort of similar to thoughts about Doctor Strange a little bit, where it's like, this isn't that brutal. Uh, for sure. I mean, it, it absolutely is very brutal but it's not the way people were talking about the northman was like right the goriest movie of all time or whatever oh it's very much not and the northman not. the northman is like when i came out of the northman i was like that was like the thinking man's gladiator yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? exactly yeah absolutely it is very violent for sure yeah uh but alexander skarsgård must be the largest human on earth he's so fucking big and awesome in this movie <laughs> yeah. Annie taylor joy is amazing uh all the other people that are in it are amazing. That one, yeah. the dad from The Witch shows up for a second, and I'm like, yeah, right. like <laughs> so excited for him, um, and beautiful, and and I hope Robert Eggers is able to have a career after this. I don't know. It feels like the way the reception to it was like, ah, he burned money and yada 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 and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it, it got a lot of critical acclaim, and people loved the movie uh, yeah. for the most part. I think, uh, and I think you know, it, it's it's not gonna like do bonkers box office, but I think it's going to do decent. Like it's, it seems like it's going to like, you know, make back its budget at least. And I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. he's, he's, he's become one of those like really interesting indie horror director names that just kind of popped up. Like, you know, even if the Northman like completely bounced, he could probably just jump back to a two four or whoever was distributing his movies and come out with like another witch type thing. Right. You know? Absolutely. Uh, it's crazy that this is just like a studio movie. I forget what studio yeah. it is, but yeah, I, I also forget which one it is too. But, uh, while that, uh, this was bankrolled and that it came out in theaters, I mean, you know, we're talking about Dr. Strange two today, which obviously is the sequel to, uh, large franchise in a Marvel movie, but there is a lot of really interesting independent original cinema out there right now getting pretty wide releases and getting a lot of great reception too. I mean, we talked about Northman, but also uh, everything everywhere all at once uh, and unbearable way to massive talent and uh, a lot of really good stuff out there and right X. now. So yeah. And, and X, yeah, X fucking rules. Yeah. It was great. Like, 
Like, I think it was during, I forget what we recently have, we talked about this where I was like, oh no, do I want to go back to the movies now? Uh, like <laughs> while I was watching one of them, I think it was everything everywhere. I think it was. And yeah, like I stopped and thought about like, I've seen, you know, five or six movies now in theaters this year and they're all fucking like all time great movies. Um, it, it, it is, it has been a really strong start to 2022, which is yeah. really great. Are we going to dethrone 99 finally? Will it finally happen? <sighs> Man, I mean, that would be great. That's the dream. That's that the dream the right dream. there. Yeah. Yeah. 2007 also a really good year too. I, mean, I feel like people, people talk about 99 a lot. 2007, you got There Will Be Blood. You got No Country for Old Men. You got Zodiac. You got... Juno is in there. Uh, you got uh, Spider-Man 3. You know, just all-time classics. <laughs> when did House of Wax come out? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that was 05, Mike. Ah, I believe that was just 05. Missed. <laughs> just missed. But anyway, today we are talking about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We're going to get into that in a second. Uh, first, got to tell you that all the theme songs that you're going to hear this episode were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at Kyle's Podcast Themes at gmail.com. And our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us and respond to something we did in the show, uh, you can tweet at us over at Mike and Mike Pod. And now it's time to talk Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. stability of space-time. The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. Your desecration of reality will not go unpunished. It was the only way. But I never meant for any of this. show up i made mistakes and people were hurt i'm not here to talk about westview then what are you here for i need your help with what what do you know about the multiverse i'm sorry stephen you understand the greatest threat to our universe is you. Things just got out of hand. All right, that was from the trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which, by the way, probably the best title that any Marvel movie's ever had. Just <laughs> throw that out there. Great title. I'm not sure it's like totally descriptive of the movie that it actually is, but it's a good title. Yeah. Uh, the movie is directed by Sam Raimi, written by Michael Waldron, and stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, Chiwetel Giofor, Benedict Wong, uh, Zochiel Gomez, Rachel McAdams, and a lot more. So, Mike, going into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I mean, I feel like, you know, we were both pretty big on the Marvel train for a long time, and I still am to a degree, but I, I, it's one of those things where I really dislike how much it has completely dominated all of pop culture over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it boxes out smaller independent films and that kind of thing. 
At the same time, I generally like most of the stuff they put out. I appreciate and, and you know, I'm just in general into superheroes, have been since I was very little and, uh, you know, ha- ha- haven't really grown out of that at any point. Uh, and there are a lot of really good filmmakers that do get attached to these movies. Uh, so, yeah, I'm usually still pretty in the bag for, you know, I'm going to go see the new Marvel Cinematic Universe movie on opening day for the most part, or at least opening weekend, uh, because I want to avoid any kind of spoilers and things like that, because some of those surprises are a lot of fun. And I, I feel like this was the one I was most excited for out of the more recent batch of Marvel movies, because... It was a Sam Raimi movie, and I was really curious to see if Sam Raimi was really going to get to let loose and be Sam Raimi uh, with this movie. And I felt that he did for the most part. Uh, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on this movie. But first, uh, what did you kind of expect going into Doctor Strange? Um, going into it, I wasn't really sure. Um, you know, I I feel like... Sam Raimi is somebody that is obviously very distinct visually, you know, as a filmmaker. And I was like, how much, you know, obviously he's also somebody that can work within the the Marvel framework. It's obviously very different from Spider-Man. Now. Right. I mean, it's it's an entirely different world than when he was making his Spider-Man trilogy back in the day. Exactly. Um, because there was no real template for a superhero movie at the time. And now there's very much a formula to what superhero movies can be, partially largely influenced by Sam Raimi's own Spider-Man trilogy. Right. Yeah, he sort of made it a little bit, um, made the template a little bit. And so I wasn't sure how much current Kevin Feige Marvel version would let him do the Sam Raimi thing. But like, why would you get Sam Raimi and not let him do that? Right. Right. Be crazy. And why would he agree to do that is kind of also how I was feeling, too. And then also I saw, of course, all the reactions on Twitter be like, this is a horror movie. This is gory. This how is this PG-13 on like Thursday night or Friday morning, whatever it was, like right after opening, which also like remember when movies were midnight releases and now it's like 2 p.m on a thursday it was crazy when it went to seven yeah i saw it at 6 p.m on thursday and i was like you know it was pretty packed i mean it was like a almost sold out theater but it just felt weird like it just doesn't feel right you know i used to have to work to go see a a midnight movie you know yeah yeah. (laughs) i used to have to skip school the next day or something and do it you know (laughs) not to be all like old man walks uphill both ways in the snow but like 2 p.m on a thursday like what um anyway uh, like how does that feel special you know it doesn't feel special anymore (laughs) it just came out on thursday then yeah and everyone freaking out about gore and violence and horror stuff so I was Won't very, somebody think of the children? Exactly. I was very <laughs> shocked, and I hate to be that guy also. Like, I don't want to be that person that's like, you fucking piss baby, like, whatever. But, it, like, the next day, I was like, okay, I got to watch. I got to I gotta watch Drag Me to Hell, because that was also the one that came up a lot, like, the meanest movie ever, meanest ending. What? Um, she just, she's, the, she's the villain. The, Alison right, Loman yeah. is the villain of that movie. Um, I mean, I, I remember being completely shocked when I saw the movie for the first time. Yes. Uh, you know, and it is, I think, you know, if you are inclined to sympathize with the main character of the movie, which I think Alice Loman's performance like kind of allows you to do. I think Absolutely. she's very good in it. It is it is 100% a mean ending. But like, yeah, she deserves it. Uh, she's and- a mortgage officer in 2009 following the housing crisis. <laughs> And she denies an old woman her more. She's the villain. Anyway. So I was like, okay, this is amazing. This is like, oh, yeah, Sam Raimi, baby. And then I was kidnapping my friends and I made them watch Drag Me to Hell right in Discord like I always talk about. Uh, then we took a break and watched The Mummy because it was like the 23rd anniversary or whatever. Or not the 23rd, whatever anniversary it is. You got to celebrate every single anniversary of The Mummy. Correct. <laughs> and then I was like, we're going to watch Evil Dead 2. And they were like, what? And I was like, shut up. And we still watched Evil Dead 2. And then it ended <laughs> and it was like 1230. And I was like, well, well, man, Army of Darkness just started. What happened? Uh, <laughs> So <laughs> I go to bed and I wake up Sunday morning and I'm like, 
I gotta go. Fuck. I got the. I, like I said, I got got the fever now. I gotta go see it. Got that Raimi itch. I got that Raimi itch, and for sure, Doctor Strange two delivers on the Raimi itch for the most part. Uh, it's very fun. It's very Raimi. It's not gory. It's violent for sure. It's not gory. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's more violent and like definitely has like jump scares and like you know moments yeah. that are like you know different than what a typical MCU movie tends to deliver. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it's all implied gore as far as that stuff goes, which is a uh, kind of interesting thing. And yeah. uh, there are I mean, there are sequences that uh, I think, you know, will probably scar children for life. But that's a good thing. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's the kind of thing where like, you know, you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark when you're a kid and you see the Nazis face melting and that's like a horrifying image and that sticks with you. Or like, I think for me, I mean, that that one stuck with me for sure. But the uh, the scene in Poltergeist where the guy's face starts falling off, oh, there's, there's yeah. a lot of face melting back in the early 80s. And that scene in Poltergeist just like. I saw Poltergeist when I was like eight. Um, It was like the first real horror movie that I ever saw. That was like a gateway horror movie for me. And that image has like stuck with me my entire life. Yes. And, you know, but but it's like what got me into like more interesting movies and like, you know, a lot of other horror stuff. And so, yeah, kids should be, uh, uh, you know, exposed to this kind of stuff. I think, you know, it's it's part it's part of the process of growing up. Yeah. And I don't I like, you know, me, I would never be the person to be like you know use the term snowflake in a serious way or like whatever (laughs) but like it's pg-13 like it's for teenagers first off right essentially i mean yeah yeah, part of the issue is that pg-13 has come to mean just like oh it's the family four quadrant blockbuster right exactly that's what i was that's where i was gonna go with that where it's like we have because of disney and marvel and all the last 28 movies or seven whatever uh, movies of this franchise and and everything else like we've watered down that so much that the implication of certain things is too much i saw like a eyeball thing be the thing that a lot of people pointed to as like too graphic it's accompanied by like a champagne cork pop like that shit is that was hilarious <laughs> granted i i'm a, a 30 year old i'm a get it i get it <laughs> you know? um, sure and we're also huge fans of Sam Raimi. I mean, we right. should say that up front, too. I mean, he's one of my absolute favorite filmmakers. And so we're very much attuned to his style. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I saw that same eyeball gag in the three other Sam Raimi movies I watched <laughs> <laughs> the day before. He does it every time. And it's great every time. Yes. So all that to say, though, is like, I really liked this movie. I had a lot of fun with it. But this is the movie that I think is confirmed the nail in the coffin for me on Marvel. Because even though it's got all the Sam Raimi stuff. I was like, I'm oh, I'm done. Like, I was ready for this movie to end way before it ended. Even though the end stuff is the best part. That's the most bonkers Sam Raimi shit. And that, like, was fun. Uh, but I was kind of just like, yeah. Like, I walked out of it. I saw this yesterday. And it took me a long time today, this afternoon, to remember where a certain character ends, who's the main character of this movie. Uh, I did not remember what the movie did with her. And I was like, how? I saw this less than 24 hours ago, uh, which is wild. So that was that's kind of my, you know, unspoilery thoughts, sort of. It was like, I, the Sam Raimi stuff when it happens is fun because I love Sam Raimi. Uh, but I was kind of like, is this is this the end of me, like, regrettably going to every Marvel thing and then begrudgingly <laughs> liking it? Because I didn't begrudgingly like it that much. Uh, I didn't see Eternals. I've skipped Moon Knight. I'm sure it's fine. Like, I'm probably- Yeah, Mo- Moon Knight was not my thing. I, I uh you know, I was hoping to really love Moon Knight just as because I think it's just like fun that there's a TV show based on Moon Knight. Yeah, you know? it's just like it's weird that that exists. And I think Oscar Isaac is very good in it. But I think the show itself just kind of came out to like oh, it had its moments, I guess. But and it kind of teased a very good season. two. Like it, it has a good hook for season two if they do make a season two. Yeah. But uh, yeah, overall, Moon Knight was like not my like, it was honestly probably my least favorite of the Marvel TV shows that they've done on Disney Plus so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the end credits stuff for this 
didn't give me any like nothing <laughs> just like zero on the meter for me except for the last <laughs> one because that's a fun Sam Raimi thing yeah and yeah I, I don't know you know it's just kind of like this is the one that sort of felt the most felt like it required the most pr- prior homework like I always talked about fearing that you needed to know all the other things and sure. have seen everything um and granted you could probably get away with it and I have seen the other things so it was fine but it was like oh this probably doesn't mean much if you don't know watch WandaVision or whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It felt, it's a very weird conflicted feeling I'm ha- I have about this movie, like as a relationship to the larger MCU and also Sam Raimi, because like, I love the Raimi thing. I love that. But like, I don't know, don't Sam Raimi make his own movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the issues that I do have with this movie kind of stem from it being so tied down to the MCU. But at the same time, I do think this is a solid standalone Doctor Strange adventure, like if you Mm. remove yourself from the context of everything else, which I think is kind of the ideal of what it kind of has to be because with these kind of interconnected narratives, you need to have some kind of semblance of character progression and moving some of these characters forward across different projects. Um, But at the same time, you want it to be you know, accessible to people who haven't seen everything, which is how the comics work. Um, You know, with the comics, I mean, you could follow one line of comics and then there's also this big crossover event that happens uh, that could drastically change the status quo of whatever comic it is you're reading. And if you don't read that comic, that like big crossover event, then, you know, the comic that you're reading, the ongoing comic has to like do the work to like fill you in on what just happened. Uh, so you so you're kind of caught up and you don't really need to necessarily read it. And that's something that comics have struggled with for a very long time. Like some of them are successful at that. Some of them aren't. And I think the MCU is definitely uh, having that problem. And I think that problem has gotten a lot worse uh, with the introduction of the Disney Plus shows. Right. Because with the movies, you know, it's it's sort of almost reasonable to ask the people watch all the movies, right? You get, you do like three, two hour movies, uh, like a year, right? <laughs> right. How it, how it happens. And now we're doing like three or four, two hour movies a year, plus six, six episode TV shows yeah. uh, that are airing on Disney plus. And uh, that is a lot for anybody to keep up with for sure. Uh, unless you're a diehard uh, Marvel fan or just enjoy following that stuff. And uh, I would kind of put myself in the latter category where I, I wouldn't call myself a diehard fan. I don't like to be a fan of anything. I think fans are bad. Um, but, but, you know, I, I enjoy following this stuff. I do like a lot of this stuff and it is based on things that I like. So with Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness, I think you need to have seen the first Dr. Strange, uh, right. which makes sense. This is Dr. Strange two. You, you probably should watch infinity war and Endgame. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, which are also movies that I don't think work unless you have seen everything leading up to them. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you should watch WandaVision also. I think you can honestly skip Spider-Man No Way Home, even though a lot of people thought that was going to be one that you have to like watch in order to understand Doctor Strange 2. They reference it at the beginning of this movie, and then otherwise it's unrelated to anything <laughs> anything else that's happening here. Yeah, which sort of makes sense for the end of No Way Home, but I also don't know like what the chronology is, because it's yeah, like... Yeah, well, I think what, what I was reading is actually No Way Home was supposed to come out after Doctor Strange 2. Um, oh, uh, which that was part of the thing. And then COVID kind of shuffled things around. And so the chronology kind of uh, ended up changing in the timeline of the movies too. And so uh, I believe No Way Home may have dealt with the fallout of the, mul- like they would have used the multiverse madness of stuff from Doctor Strange 2 in the script of No Way Home. And like that's that was part of the reason right. why all the multiverse stuff was happening. And instead it kind of turns into like a joke. We're like, oh yeah, that time with Spider-Man a few months back. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. Um, but yeah, this, this is definitely the movie the most that I felt kind of like the weight of the MCU currently, you know, yeah. especially kind of 
post Endgame, we're kind of a little rudderless right now. Also, like in all the plot that's lines. also the thing, yeah. Um, like they haven't really solidified around a villain yet. They haven't solidified a new leader for the whatever the new Avengers are going to be. So it's kind of just like we're here doing little wacky adventures, which is fun. I like that. I enjoy those movies the most where it's kind of like we're guardians or whatever. We're just kind of off in our own corner doing our own thing. But yeah, I don't know. There was just something something weird about this one for me. Yeah, know? interesting. Okay. I mean, I, I think that is how a lot of people felt about this one, I think for various different reasons. And I think there's a better, I mean, I think this movie, I really like this movie and I think it is honestly like a top five MCU movie for me. And that's almost entirely because of what Sam Raimi brings to it. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's a better Sam Raimi movie like in the cracks of this movie. And it yes. could still be a Doctor Strange movie. I think if this movie had, uh, this movie has like a $200 million budget. If it had a $90 million budget, all of its effects were stop motion skeletons. <laughs> yes, like, but for real though. You know, and, and that's honestly like, it feels like that's the movie that Sam Raimi is making here, which, you know, and I don't want to kind of just keep harping on like, wow, Sam Raimi, what a great filmmaker. You know, he's great. I love Sam Raimi, but I don't need to keep harping on that. But, you know, his sensibility is that kind of wacky three stooges level kind of horror comedy with sort of lo-fi special effects that kind of sometimes create a pretty scary thing. Honestly, with Sam Raimi's stuff, I don't think he goes for actual scares all that much. It's more to like horror comedy tinged with, you know, kind of wackiness. I think the evil dead is scary. The yes. original evil dead, genuinely scary movie. I think every, everything after that is like, you know, horror comedy for the most part. Yeah. A lot of it becomes like grotesque stuff rather yes. than like horrific stuff, like particularly like in, you know, drag me to hell, which I don't, I guess I don't know why that's the one everyone like has focused on recently. I, I think honestly, I think of Raimi's other movies, that is the one that is most like Dr. Strange too. Uh, yeah. For me. I, I think more so than the evil dead movies, which I think partially because drag me to hell is a PG 13 horror movie. So huh. it's a little, so it's a little bit tamer than the evil dead movies are in terms of the gore and stuff like that. Cause the evil dead movies are genuinely very gory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff like with, with Mrs. Ganesh in, in, drag me to hell like just like putting her gums on Allison Lohman right because she's got the dentures and like all like I don't know why that keep, that happens a bunch of times uh and all that stuff and uh, yeah I don't know it's just that he he tends towards that in his more recent horror comedy stuff where it's like just yes. weird shit uh rather than like outright scary stuff like in the first Evil Dead which is like genuinely terrifying Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, our, our our buddy music supervisor, Kyle Cullen, will be editing this episode. He's heard the story before because he's lived it. But uh, I made him watch The Evil Dead when we were like 16 and he, we had to turn it off. He was <laughs> fucking couldn't handle it. I mean, Kyle is not a horror movie guy by any right. means. And when we were watching it, like I had just recently gotten into The Evil Dead movies and I watched Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. And I was like, these are these are incredible. I love these so much. I want to show them to everybody. And I convinced Kyle to watch The Evil Dead on the basis of like, oh, it's a horror movie, but it's also funny. Uh, because in my mind, you know, I conflated the entire trilogy into one big horror comedy. Right. Uh, because I just kind of watched them all in quick succession. Uh, when in fact, The Evil Dead is genuinely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so I, I feel like we keep coming back to the Sam Raimi of it all uh, in regards to Doctor Strange 2, because it's crazy that this is probably the most that I can think of, at least other than maybe Guardians, I guess, or along with Guardians, the most sure. like character, not character, director, director driven. Yeah. Director driven or like given creative control. And I guess also Thor Ragnarok. MCU movies where it's like they've got these three guys so far that they're like you got make your movie within our confines uh 
rather than everybody else's like you know the creative differences and blah 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 whatever it's such a strange weird thing that they like these are kind of like the selected few that get to make their movie in the mcu (laughs) rather than being forced into the mcu version um yeah which which i would think with this and my guess as to what happened here is that scott derrickson uh, who was supposed to make this movie? He was he directed the first Doctor Strange. Um, I'm guessing he had ideas for what he wanted to do with Doctor Strange two from the first movie. And I know he wanted to make it more of a horror movie for sure. Right. But I, there are a lot of plot lines from the first Doctor Strange that are kind of left dangling. Right? You have the uh, the the heel turn with Chiwetel Ejiofor's character Baron Mordo, and yep. the the idea that he's going to be like the next big bad that seems to be set up in the first Doctor Strange. And then several years passed. Um, between the first, I mean, it's been six years since that, since that Dr. Strange movie, yeah. uh, which is kind of wild. Uh, but Dr. Strange himself has popped up in several other movies. He was in Thor Ragnarok. He was in infinity war and Endgame. He popped up in Spider-Man, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And I think over the course of that six years, whatever plans they may have had with like Marvel had with that character and what they were doing, um, may have changed, uh, quite a mm. bit, I think. Uh, and I think they knew they wanted to go in that multiversal direction and they knew Doctor Strange was the perfect character to do that. And I think that may not have been the direction that Scott Derrickson wanted to go with the character. And right. this is all speculation. I have no idea like what actually happened behind the scenes. We probably won't actually know until like 10 years from now. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, so Scott Derrickson leaves over creative differences and, you know, pro- probably because of like the story issues and stuff like that. Uh, so Marvel has an idea of what they want the movie to be and they get Sam Raimi to do it. And I, I believe... It was probably like they have full control over what the story is, but same maybe you can just do whatever he wants with it visually right. is, <laughs> is probably my guess. Yeah, that's how it feels. Yeah, because it's he's doing all the the Dutch angles, the zooms, the swing, yes. all, all the everything he's doing. The all whip the hands and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing. And especially having watched, you know, Yield the Two and Straving to Hell and Army of Darkness right before this, like, you're like, oh, it's the, it's the thing. Like, he, like, yep. you know, he's kind of visually checking his own, referencing his own movies and stuff, uh, which is what makes this fun, which is otherwise what makes what would have maybe been a kind of drab movie not be like that, you know? I mean, I, I would say even, if, like, I mean, this movie is extremely benefited by the fact that Sam Raimi directed it. I do think on a plot level, like, as far, as somebody who is pretty invested in a lot of this stuff i was pretty into it on a story level like uh, and it it, it is written by michael waldron who uh wrote loki um Mm. which was my favorite of the disney plus shows and is also the other one that like really dives into the multiverse in in many ways so i guess he might be like the architect of the multiverse for marvel going forward i'm not exactly sure but uh you know so i think it's it's pretty consistent with uh you know like like again you you really should watch wandavision or whatever before you watch this movie to get the full impact of the story and all that kind of stuff and if that sounds like homework to you then you can probably avoid doctor strange too that's totally fine yeah yeah you know but i i do think it it mostly works as a self-contained horror movie that builds upon stuff that we've already seen uh is is sort of where i'm at with it um but i i do think it it is hampered by the fact that it is an mcu movie as opposed to like a full-on sam raimi movie and i i would hope you know what whatever the future holds for sam raimi in the mcu i'm not sure if he would ever come back for another one or if he's using this to like gain the clout to make something else like a drag me to hell something like something in the vein of that or even anything else i mean Sam, sam raimi is is a really versatile filmmaker like he's thought of as a horror filmmaker uh when really it's like it's the evil dead movies it's drag me to hell and I guess Crime Wave or like his horror movie, <laughs> you know, and then it's uh, a golf movie. No, a baseball, no, movie. baseball for love of the game. Super yeah. underrated. It's very good. But, you know, he has like the Spider-Man trilogy. He has a simple plan, which is a great crime thriller. Uh, the Quick and the Dead, which is a Western. And, you know, he, he messes around with different genres and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but his last movie was Oz the Great and Powerful, which was a, a fantasy movie, which 
was not very good. I wasn't a big fan of Isaac Great and Powerful, but I did enjoy it on the basis of like, oh, it's the same Raimi picture. It has the things. And it's also a stealth remake of Army of Darkness, which this movie is also kind of a stealth remake of Army of Darkness. <laughs> you know... Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's weird. I mean, it has like a Book of the Dead and it has a fortress under siege and it has reanimated skeletons and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's yeah, it's it's Army of Darkness. Yeah, maybe he doesn't say every single syllable, but he basically said it. That is actually the thesis for Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I, I think, it's a Raimi movie. Maybe it doesn't do every single thing exactly, you know, but it, but it basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think they sort of like almost reference. I can't remember if they reference that line uh, in the movie or not. I might just be remembering army of darkness which i watched like i said 12 hours before i saw right strange uh, yeah i don't do we have do we have a whole lot more to say before we get to spoilers because i'm i mean that's I'm, that's sort of where i land on it. it was like i like the sam raimi stuff my kind of weird apathy to it when i walked out and got in the car i was like maybe i don't need to see every marvel movie uh which is wild <laughs> from one of my favorite directors to have that you know one of his movies to have that effect on me uh, sure i mean a movie that you enjoyed also which is interesting yeah it's very <laughs> weird <laughs> but that, that is interesting. I mean, I get it, you know, and I think at this point we are at a point where a lot of people, yourself included, I think, are going to be like, I don't need to see all of them. You know, I'll, like you can see some of them. Like, yeah. I, and I think you probably still will see some of them if you think it's going to look good or whatever. Uh, I mean, I know you're going to see Takeaway TT's Thor Love and Thunder because we have to do it on the Goldblum podcast. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, I do think 2022 looks like a good year for Marvel movies just based on the directors they have making them because they have three movies out this year. One of which is Doctor Strange, Sam Raimi. Other one is Thor 4 with uh, Taika Waititi. And then the other one is Black Panther 2, which Ryan Coogler's making. Uh, oh. So, you know, all, all great directors and uh, all, all I think, have like, their own personal stamp on the different things they're doing uh, with these movies. Uh, so I appreciate that. I mean, I think with Marvel, it's like 75% generally anonymous filmmakers who kind of just like plug it in, doing their thing. You're, you know, and, and not untalented filmmakers, I think just no, yeah. are, are, don't, don't necessarily have the clout uh, to do their own thing or don't have like as much of a distinctive visual style as some other filmmakers. Um, but you know, your Sam Raimi's, your James Gunn's, those are the people who make the ones that I generally like the most. And yeah, it, it was very exciting to see Sam Raimi back in action uh, for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And uh, even if it's not a full Sam Raimi movie, it's Sam Raimi light. And, uh, you know, it, it scratched the itch after nine years without a Sam Raimi movie. I hope it's not that much longer until the next one. You know, I hope there's something new from Raimi coming in the near future. Honestly, as, as I watched this, I thought to myself, he could probably make a really good Fantastic Four movie. Oh, um, man. Which, like, that would be, like, you know, I don't want him to get stuck making superhero movies forever, like, just doing that. But, like, he did direct the best one with Spider-Man 2. And... <laughs> John Watts was supposed to direct Fantastic Four, recently dropped out of it. Wow. Uh, so the slot's open. <laughs> what if just, just every MCU movie from now on is just like one director getting fired and Sam Raimi <laughs> filling in? <it. laughs> that's, that's the ideal situation for the future. <laughs> Maybe I'm back on the MCU train. <laughs> like imagine like Joss Whedon was like, you know, the curator of the MCU for a couple of years there, yeah. right? He was like the guy behind, like doing the behind the scenes thing, uh, like just kind of punching up movies here and there. What if that was Sam Raimi now? What if Sam Raimi just became that guy? <laughs> it's the Raimi cinematic universe. Um, yeah, I don't know. The feelings are weird, I guess, about this is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. And yeah, I hope I hope it, it was very cool to see like film Twitter and stuff or whatever, like kind of rally behind like Sam Raimi's back, you know, kind of thing. And like yeah. see him doing Q&As and all this stuff and getting a lot more attention recently. So hopefully, hopefully that's a good sign that he 
wants to be making movies again. I think there's a new Evil Dead coming out. I don't know if he, I don't think he's directing it. He's uh, producing. Um, yeah, there's a new Evil Dead remake or reboot or whatever it is called Evil Dead Rise. Right. Uh, that's going to hit HBO Max. It's not going to be in theaters. Okay. Um, yeah. So like, that's cool. You know, I, I just am excited for Sam Raimi to be back in the pop pop consciousness you know absolutely yeah i love sam raimi and uh you know enjoy dr strange the multiverse of madness and uh we should get into spoilers uh for this movie starting right now all right spoilers for dr strange in the multiverse of madness starting right now and uh yeah i mean this movie like we said i mean it, it picks up really where WandaVision left off. I mean, Doctor Strange 1 came out six years ago. Doctor Strange has had several adventures in the interim. Yeah, <laughs> you know? the snap happened. Yes, exactly. Five, literally, like, the movie came out six years ago. There were five years that passed between Infinity War and Endgame. Right, <laughs> Like, yeah. we, canonically within the story. So th- this takes place several years after the first Doctor Strange. And, yeah, I, I think it picks up, you know, where Endgame leaves off with Strange and with Spider-Man and stuff, like with No Way Home. And I, I think it it does some stuff at the beginning where it kind of just like tries to tie up some loose ends from the first Doctor Strange movie, you know, where it's like, oh, uh, Rachel McAdams character. Remember her? She's getting married. Strange misses chance and that kind right. of thing. Right. And uh, Michael Stuhlbarg pops up for a quick uh, scene, which he was in the first movie for like 18th build on that call sheet or whatever. Yeah. But uh, and he pops up for one scene here where he kind of blames Doctor Strange for uh, you know, everything that's happened uh, since Endgame, since the uh, everybody kind of snapped back and all that kind of stuff, uh, which I which I found kind of that was that was a really interesting scene, I thought, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those moments where, like, the MCU confronts the implications of what they're doing. Um, yes. Which cause... which Endgame kind of glosses over because that's the end of the movie. Right. But like what the the one strength that the MCU has here with the interconnected stories here is that they can really like dive into that a little bit more. And I remember being like kind of annoyed with Far From Home and that came out like two months later and it played it off as a joke. Right. (laughs) You know, when there are so many like drastic (laughs) changes that happened in the lives of every single person on the planet as a result of what the Avengers did in Endgame. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like coming, imagine coming back from the snap into your house and somebody else has moved in. Like, yes. Or your wife is dead, which I think is his brother. What is, or his wife? I don't remember. So one of those characters, family is dead now. Michael Uh, Stubark? Yeah. Yes, Besides yeah, I, I think he says something. Yeah, his two cats died and his brother died. He's, he's more upset about the cats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's like, you know, and he sort of like he says like, oh, that, that was the only way you guys could have done it, huh? Like, you know, it's sort of like, you know, they confronts Strange about that and like sort of blames Strange for having allowed that to happen. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, and Which then, we know from Infinity War, it's Strange, like, you know, look through all the outcomes of like right. what whatever this could be. And there's only one way it could all go down. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they talk that they do that in uh, WandaVision, right, where they show. Um, oh, I forget. Uh, Maria Rambo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or Monica Rambo. I forget which one's the mother and daughter. I think it's Monica Rambo. I think it's daughter. Monica. Yeah. Coming uh, back. Yeah. 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 She comes back and her mother died in the interim. Right. Yeah, exactly. And she's in the yeah. hospital. And like that Maria Rambo just cannot catch a break in these movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it took me a second to remember that in this movie when i was like oh that's why you're here um right <laughs> um and yeah but 
like every now and then they sort of confront like what a fucking like existential cosmic horror the snap would be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Instead of a goof where the marching band comes back in the middle of a football game. <laughs> um, Which is pretty funny, but it's like uh, there's a, there's a lot more to mine from this. Yeah, yeah. I remember really wanting them to uh, make it so that Peter disappeared, but Aunt May didn't. And like oh. she had to do like, wouldn't that have been great? Raimi would have done that. He would have done that. <laughs> Absolutely. No, he would have. Uh, yeah, he would have done that because he didn't kill, uh, you know. Uncle Ben over uh, chocolate milk or something. Um, <laughs> That's also true. Well, that was not the uh, the MCU Spider Man either. That was the other one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then and then we kind of we alien thing shows up and right he's at the wedding. I forgot. Yeah, whatever. We kind of tie up the lease end with Christine and then uh, yes, Rachel McAdams which, uh, character. Yeah, which uh, a lot of this movie hinges on the idea that like they have a love that transcends universes, um, which I think you might get if you watch that one episode of What If. Um, right. Uh, if you didn't watch that one episode of What If, uh, the animated show that was on Disney Plus, I don't think you would buy that necessarily. I think the the first movie, like you know, they're uh, they're lovers, they're, they're ex lovers, I think, or whatever, and they kind of lose touch when he becomes Doctor Strange and leaves for Kamartage and all that kind of stuff, and then they kind of reconnect during you know one of the sequences in that movie where uh, she's like operating on him, like after yeah. his whole battle and stuff. But Rachel McAdams is like a, I think she's very good in the first Doctor Strange, uh, but she is a very a very thankless role in that movie <laughs> absolutely yeah like literally saving his life and then it's just out of the back half of that movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah and it's very strange doctor very doctor strange very um, doctor strange mr doctor strange oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i forgot about that bit where's mads mickelson what happened i think he got like a disintegrated in that movie right Probably. something like that yeah something <laughs> yeah. happened to him uh whatever yeah and then and then america chavez shows up basically uh well i guess that's the beginning there's like the cold open or whatever but yeah it's her like it's that. her jumping with like a multiversal doctor strange right yeah yeah what's and what's her character's name in the co- like her hero name in the comics right I can't... uh her hero name in the comics uh is she have one she's not miss marvel right uh miss america miss america, miss america. Oh, okay okay and yeah, she's great. I just couldn't remember what her character, her like hero name. Um, yeah. And yeah, she's great. I think she's. I think her and Strange. It's very funny to see Doctor Strange always end up like the reluctant dad for a like wayward <laughs> teenage superhero. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That that has been the thing uh, in recent years. Actually. Yeah. Um, but I don't. Know, I think. I think that might just be Benedict Cumberbatch. Is also very good at that. Uh, yes. You know, very cold. Uh, but like, you know, you can tell deep down he really cares about these kids. And yeah, I think they're together. They're a lot of fun, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think they're good. Uh, you know, I think uh, having her jump, like her whole power is that she can jump from multiverse to multiverse. Like she can jump the universes right. through the multiverse and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So she tells Doctor Strange like, oh yeah, the multiverse is real. And, you know, he knows that because he dealt with that whole thing with Spider-Man, which they kind of referenced very quickly and then kind of toss that off to the side, which kind of confirms my belief that like, Marvel really like yeah the the relationship between the Marvel movies and the Marvel produced Sony movies I think is a really interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> Strenuous at best. Yeah, exactly. And those three Spider-Man movies, you know, rely so much on the MCU to like prop them up, right? Yeah. They you know, like every one of them has like at least one other Marvel character in a major role, right? The first one is Iron Man, second one is Nick Fury, third one has Doctor Strange, and then other characters gonna kind of pop up here and there, like Chris Evans is a cameo in the first one, all that kind of stuff. But like really like they, they take place in the MCU and then they barely get referenced outside of uh, those movies. Like <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Which is very strange. Like, like the Statue of Liberty fell apart at the end of No Way Home. Uh, right. And they just, like, don't reference it at all. Uh, you know, not that we'd be talking <laughs> about the Statue of Liberty, but, like, I don't know. It's very, It feels very weird. And that's what it, it sort of feels like at the end of uh, No Way Home. Like, it's Christmas, right? I think not that the, I guess these all sort of take place in order, quote, so to speak, but like so, so somewhat. I mean, there's there's stuff here and there that kind of you know shuffles around and stuff, but uh, yeah, I think I think the ending of No Way Home is Christmas time. Yeah, uh, so it's which like, would have been the same time Hawkeye was taking place. Right. They throw in the like billboard, so you're like, oh look, Hawkeye. Uh, yeah. In that movie, but like, yeah, it sort of feels like this is taking place before the events of that movie have happened yet, which I guess makes sense with the like weird release schedule stuff. But also at the end of No Way Home, nobody remembers Spider Man anyway, or no remembers Peter. Parker rather yeah so they they remember Peter Parker and I remember that was a kind of we talked about this on the podcast when we reviewed Spider-Man No Way Home how that is kind of confusing as to as to what the future of Spider-Man's role in the MCU is going to be and like do people still remember who Spider-Man is and which they do mention like you know when he's at the grave uh, for for Aunt May's grave and he talks to Happy he's like oh I know him through Spider-Man or whatever like right you know so so they know who Spider-Man is like as a character like as a costumed fighter they know he's a superhero but just nobody knows his secret identity anymore and also nobody knows who Peter Parker is in real life like none of his close friends know him know him at all anymore yeah so that's weird to think about now <laughs> you know that's like right. what I, like sort of like the weight of the mcu now is sort of like getting a little right. wobbly so, but yeah when dr strange says that and it's like well there was this adventure with spider-man and you're thinking and you, there's like a moment where you're like wait how does he still remember spider-man oh okay i guess he just doesn't know who peter parker is he's just talking about spider-man <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah you have to like kind of go through that whole sentence in your mind and then get back into the scene <laughs> Exactly. And then, yeah, there's the the big gory eyeball thing with the big space tentacle or space uh, squid thing. Yeah, that was Uh, fun. Which is a pretty good fight. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Uh, Made me think of Doc Ock stealing Aunt May uh, from Spider-Man 2, climbing up the building, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, like I said, Doctor Strange uses like a streetlight or whatever and like rips out the eyeball and it literally (laughs) makes like a noise. It's hilarious. (laughs) Like, it's very funny. Um, yes. And that was like one of the big gory, like unsuitable for children moments that I saw a lot on Twitter. Um, yes. You know, you know what made such a huge difference in that scene too? And, uh, what I think really added to it that I think was definitely a Raimi thing is that, uh, you see people in buildings watching all this go down. Yeah. Uh, you see people running away. You see them in the buildings, like in awe and terror, like watching this crazy thing happen. Uh, if you watch like Infinity War or the other like Russo directed movies or that kind of thing they're they don't really focus on like the ca- the civilians around like right. they're really just focusing on the heroes that are fighting you know whatever villain it is and a lot and a lot of the stuff in the Russo brother directed movies like take place in like empty warehouses or like you know vast fields with nobody else in them or that yeah. kind of thing the airport battle right with their nobody's working at that airport and yeah. <laughs> all, all that kind of stuff so it's just it's a weird thing and you know I, I think it's something that Joss Whedon didn't well with the Avengers movies uh, with Avengers 1 and 2 and specifically with the second one that's like the entire plot of the end of Age of Ultron is like we gotta save as many people as possible right and it's all about saving as many civilians as possible and then Civil War is about like the fallout from that but they never really like show you people being in danger anymore Yeah. Uh, and so to have that in this movie even just for a couple of shots uh, really honestly made a difference uh, which was nice yeah yeah we I mean we've always talked about that too the like direct response from uh, Man of Steel where it's like, yeah, oh, they're killing millions of people in Man of like the big <laughs> climax in Man of Steel, right? Uh, where they like level that city, and then ever since then, every movie is like, oh, so, so, so you know, combat zone evacuated, sir. There's like one cut in dialogue yes. so that we can blow up buildings <laughs> and not worry about it. Um, but yeah, they Ramy goes out of his way a couple times to show you like, oh no, this is a this is New York, this is a crowded city. <laughs> yes, 
shit's going down. And yeah, I guess I guess we can talk about. I mean, we don't we don't need to like run the movie down. Like it's a complete works episode. No, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like, uh, but Wanda. Well, uh, you know, that's sort of what I was talking about uh, in the beginning of the movie, the beginning of the episode, rather. Uh, like today, this afternoon, I was like, wait, how? Where does how? What happens to Wanda? Like, I hundred percent forgot. <laughs> What ha- I've remembered eventually, but I remembered like, you know, when, when America is showing her like the universe and uh, the alternate universe with the kids and she scares her own kids and like realizes that like what she's doing is wrong. Right. Uh, and that was the last thing I remembered about what happens to Wanda in this movie where she's the villain. She's the main villain, uh, which is pretty crazy, honestly. Yeah, if you think I, thought about that, it. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, I liked that a lot. And I liked that, uh, you know. Marvel allowed that to happen, I guess, because yeah. that's just it's one of those things where that seems like a character they might want to just like, oh, it's it's one of our heroes, Scarlet Witch. She can't be evil or whatever. And I like that they uh, allowed that to be a thing. And I think it totally makes sense for where that character was going post WandaVision, you know? Absolutely. But yeah, it was just a very strange moment where I was like, how does this what does this movie do to its villain? Uh, <laughs> like I had to actually stop and think. And then I remember, I was like, oh, right. She like destroys the temple while she's in it or whatever. Yeah. So and she, she like, she destroys all of the dark holds uh, in all of the universes. And as a result, like sort of sacrifices herself. Yeah. And it appears that Wanda is like buried by the rubble and dies. Uh, you don't see that happen. You don't actually see her die. Uh, so I'm sure that she will be around again within the next like two years. Like she'll pop up somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, partially because it does feel like her story is unfinished. Uh, you know, it does feel like uh, based on WandaVision, um, you know, at the end of that show, the uh, the white vision um, like escaped, right? The, yeah. the new robot body for vision, which doesn't have visions memories, but is like starting to regain them. Right. Uh, he, he like disappears and like, you don't know what happens to him. Uh, and it feels like, you know, we know that that guy is out there. There's gotta be some kind of reconciliation between him and Wanda at some point. Like it just feels like the natural st- story beat to hit. Uh, so I'm sure that Wanda will pop up again at some point, unless, you know, I mean, it's the multiverse. They can do whatever they want. They can just bring her back in. Yeah. <laughs> like another dimension Wanda. And you got her now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, isn't isn't also Agatha getting her own show, Agatha Harkness, from? Uh, yeah, suppose supposedly there is going to be a show I think called House of Agatha on Disney Plus. Uh, right. Which, yeah, there will be an Agatha Harkness show. So sure, why not? Like, sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I th- I did think that was actually like you know I guess if you thought about it for a minute, like you could see it coming, but that the reveal that like she's actually evil. Uh, Wanda was like actually pretty good like it kind of worked on me like when Doctor Strange goes to her on the orchard uh, and is like telling her all the stuff and then when she drops like America's name like I was like like it actually worked Uh, yes and and, like he and he stops and she stops and is like you didn't tell me her name, did you? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the reveal that she's had the dark hold and she's evil now and she's chasing America across the multiverse to steal her powers. Uh, it's like, oh, shit, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, and one of the, one of the things I like about this movie, too, is that, uh, you know, it, it feels like the action starts pretty quickly. Like the action yeah. starts right away. Like it kind of gets you like it starts off with that cold open in the multiverse. And then, like, you know, we, we've done the whole big boss battle with the giant octopus and then we've met up with Wanda. We've established the threat like 20 minutes in and like a few minutes later she is attacking uh, Kamartage. Uh, yes. And that's a whole sequence that uh, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, that whole thing where, uh, you know, the all the sorcerers are trying to defend their, you know, their whole fortress and Wanda is just taking them out single-handedly and, you know, she's able to break their force field by like, in, like getting in the mind of one guy and gets him to run away and the whole thing comes crashing down and, uh, and then she just brutally murdering everyone there and i thought that was great uh you know more yeah. people should die in marvel movies correct and l- yeah yeah that one se- that one moment when she like picks out the target for the guy who she's gonna like you know 
mind meld with or whatever. Yeah. And when she like steps out from behind him, that was some like like horror movie shit. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like very cool. Uh, and tells him to run and he runs and breaks the formation and that's it. And then, yeah, she's just the Terminator basically <laughs> killing everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, when they are inside the fortress and they're running away and it's like, I think it's strange and Wong in America and like maybe one or two other people and they've like locked all these doors. But then like there's these puddles that are around and Wanda's hands can like jump up and like attack somebody and like pull them through the ground was pretty awesome and you see that the cameras zoom in on the doors that they're locking behind them yeah and, uh, and then Wanda like crawls out of the mirror like the girl from the ring yes <laughs> like, it's good shit it's good shit <laughs> yeah real fucking cool um yeah and it does the scene from Evil Dead 2 where like the characters are all standing there and you hear like the kind of noises all around them and like the characters the characters are turning their heads and the cameras whip panning in the other direction and we're doing like yep. kind of going all over the place looking for the source uh yeah that was like hell yeah sam ravey baby um <laughs> and yeah it was, that stuff is all very fun and i was like hell yeah and then a little bit later i don't really remember every now and then it has to like stop and do like okay we're mcu world building exposition stuff and you're just like fucking <laughs> what are we here for um so that was that's that was the kind of the, the the yin and yang for this movie for me, you know. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So I mean, we should talk about the multiverse kind of aspect of this movie because you know this movie is called Multiverse of Madness. It really isn't a multiverse of madness, especially compared to the other multiverse movie which is out in theaters right now. Right. Yes. Uh, which you know everything everywhere all at once is a very is a great movie. I think a better movie than this one. Um, but also, uh, I think you know one of the things that I. I kind of struggle with that movie. I didn't struggle with this, but it was one thing that I kind of noted was that, you know, most of that movie, despite being this big, expansive multiverse movie, like 70% of it takes place in two locations, one of which is a tax office and one of which is a laundromat. You know, and, 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 you know, it, it gets so much mileage out of those locations. It's really incredible what they do there. But I was kind of hopeful that with Multiverse of Madness, uh, you know, this is a huge, big budget Marvel movie. They could really expand the scope of what a multiverse movie is. And they go to two multiverse, two other universes, I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> go to, mo- mostly one, and then another one that kind of looks like the one from What If, but it's not. It's like a different. It's a. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a different uh, evil Doctor Strange that they find, um, which I think is an important distinction to make with some of the other multiversal variants, because there's also in the other universe uh, a Captain Carter uh, who's played by Haley Atwell, uh, which we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, but obviously that was a big episode of What If. But I think this is a different Captain Carter than what was in the What If episode. Yes, especially because they go to an animated universe in the they one do, sequence. Yes. Uh, where they like fly through all the universes, which they um, also do in everything, everywhere, all at once. By the way, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but that's that's the thing that I, I I think that's a great comparison to bring up because obviously, like obviously with the multiverse stuff, but like the way that everything, everywhere, all at once uses the multiverses that they're not particularly going to like that to like emotionally affect you. Like the way that they kind of are just expressionistic. Like you're just, especially with that movie is so uh, like maximalist that you can't really have the time to parse the stuff you're looking at other than the way it makes you feel like that's how fast the images are coming at you. And in this, that sequence is there's one sequence in slow motion where we go through all the universes and they're fun. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, it's, It's cool to jump through all those universes and stuff. And then once you land in this universe, we're there for like a good chunk of the movie. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. Whereas in everything everywhere, we're flashing. That moment is flashing through all the universes so fast all the time. (laughs) Yes. That it's such a a different like vision and technique for that device with the multiverse stuff that uh, this this movie, Multiverse of Madness, 
doesn't really ever get there. It <laughs> doesn't ever achieve that kind of thing. Yeah, that that said, I mean, they do get some mileage out of that universe. And I think there is, I mean, some really fun stuff that happens a little bit later on. Yes. Uh, but you kind of start walking around through uh, that multi- that universe, which is uh, Earth uh, 838. And you, you, know, you see this like memory machine that kind of shows you like some of their past uh, haunting right. things. And you see kind of a flashback with uh, Strange and uh, Rachel McAdams. And you see the kind of the backstory for America Chavez's character and her two moms that uh, kind of got vanished in a portal that she accidentally created and she doesn't know how to get them back and all that kind of stuff. So you get a little bit more with those characters and stuff. You also get the Bruce Campbell cameo here, which, yes, uh, you, do. you know, and here's the thing you got to understand about Pizza Papa, Mike, is that he always gets paid. Uh, <laughs> well, as, uh, <laughs> as soon as he said that, I was like, I'm going to say that all the time. <laughs> That's what's going to be on my headstone. (laughs) I I was so delighted when Bruce Campbell showed up in this. I expected him to show up in this. Like, I didn't, I, I, like, he's not in every Raimi movie, but he's in a lot of them. And, you know, he's in all the Spider-Man. So I figured... You got to bring in Bruce Campbell if you're going to do a Raimi Marvel movie. Like, it's just, just got to happen somewhere. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I didn't really know what I expected. Like, if I was going to expect, like, you know, maybe, you know, yeah, fingers crossed, maybe they'll do that, like, fan service like, you know, Bruce Campbell was supposed to play Mysterio at some point in his old Spider-Man movies. Maybe he could play, do a quick cameo as Mysterio. But Pizza Papa was awesome. I mean, I, I was yeah. a big fan of Pizza Papa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if you saw Bruce Campbell today, I think tweeted a picture, somebody photoshopped of, uh, Bruce Campbell from Army of Darkness onto Jake Gyllenhaal's yes. thing. And he was like, like not a chance in hell or something or whatever. Yeah. I forget what Bruce but Campbell's like, name. man, that picture looks good. It looks fucking dope. <laughs> um, yeah, man, if only they had made a Spider-Man movie in 1992, Bruce Campbell would have been perfect as Mr. Uh, he would have been great. But yeah, he's great as Pizza Papa, and then he gets to do the the beat himself up thing in a Sam Raimi movie, which was mwah. classic. It was it was basically just a callback to Evil Dead Two, which is hand attacking himself again. Yeah, uh, and and that's gonna happen. And the 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 button on that where Strange is like, oh, that'll wear off in about three weeks. <laughs> he's just <laughs> beating himself up that entire time, and then he gets the honor of the final end credit scene of the movie. Yeah, uh, where the end credits is just Bruce Campbell beating himself up with his own hand, and then he stops and he's like, huh, it's over, and the camera zooms in, and the movie ends. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful it's the same ending as vibes the jeff goldblum movie yeah. <laughs> harry harry um that was fun and i like the sort of like weird like the fun little like radical you know comrade Raimi moment where america chavez is like yeah it's really weird that you guys have to pay for food in your world um <laughs> like most places you most universes don't charge for food i was like yeah right. um except in this one you do because pizza papa always gets paid he always gets a paid um <laughs> Yeah, and then and then we get the Illuminati stuff, which is fun, intense. Yeah, yeah. I was curious what you thought about the Illuminati stuff um, because you know when it first starts, it sort of feels like it's it's fan service, but it felt like it was like oh this this is like kind of cool though. Like there's some really interesting characters that they're bringing in here. Yeah, you know that kind of thing, and uh, you know so. You enter there, and uh, Baron Mordo is there, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor's character, and this feels like it skipped like a lot of steps in terms of like introducing audiences to Baron Mordo. Yeah, <laughs> um, because so he's in the first Doctor Strange, and he turns evil at the end of that movie. And then you don't see him again until this movie. And it's not even that version of the character. It's a multiverse version of the character who is a good guy in this universe. Right. <laughs> and Strange is like, oh, man, we have a lot of history. You've been trying to kill me for years. And I'm like, we haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are you what talking you- about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's just like he dedicated his life to like hunting down sorcerers. You're like, what? He did? Right. I, I saw that in a post credit scene in the first Doctor Strange where he uh, took that guy's legs. Right. right. That was the thing. Yeah. Outside of that, 
He's been laying dormant for years. I have no idea what's going on with that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like even the first trailers for this sort of positioned him the same way they sort of hid that Wanda is evil. They positioned him in the trailers as the mm. villain a little bit. Uh, maybe for this turn where he's like, actually, he's it's a different version of him. Um, yes, although it, it is revealed that he's still like he's still a pretty petty, jealous guy underneath it all, too. Right. Yeah, which is really weird when the movie this movie does that, where it's like we're all you know different. It's different universes, endless possibilities. Except you're still a schmuck in all the universes. Like, what? Okay, all right. <laughs> like, you know, like this, it's such a weird thing to. I mean, it's possible there are some universes where he's not because uh, it's kind of established that this Doctor Strange is like the only Doctor Strange who's not a complete jackass. True, that's cr- correct. Yeah, <laughs> the only one that doesn't have the capability to turn completely evil at a moment's notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so we've got that going for our Doctor Strange at least. But yeah, so Doctor Strange and America are uh, kind of drugged by Mordo and uh, taken hostage. And that's when they meet the multiverse version of Rachel McAdams' character, Christine. Right. And she's actually working for the Baxter Foundation, which is a little bit of foreshadowing uh, that uh, Reed Richards will show up in a second because the Baxter building is where the Fantastic Four live. Makes sense. Uh, as a comics guy, I knew that. Nice. Um, but yeah, uh, as, a, as a 60s and 70s comics guy, I should say, I have no idea what's going on in the comics right yeah. now. <laughs> There's also one like visual shot that I don't know where... Uh, sorry to just derail this. Um, oh, yeah. Where they're on the orchard with Wanda and Strange, and she like throws the branches in a basket, and it's got like a name on it, but it's upside down. Do you know what that? Do you, Ooh, you... yeah, there there is like a reference there because I remember I remember kind of clocking that and then forgetting what it is. I think it might be a reference to another Sam Raimi thing. Oh, okay, yeah, I uh, didn't. I'm read blanking it. on what it is though. I couldn't read it upside down, and I was like, the shot is holding long enough for me to acknowledge this is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> don't know what it is though. Okay, anyway. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But Illuminati. Uh, yes, uh, Mordo introduces Strange to the Illuminati, and which is a pretty. Uh, that, that's like a Marvel comics thing where it's like a group of you know kind of superpowered beings who are sort of like the Avengers, but kind of operate things in secret and are trying to protect the world, but through shadowy means and all that kind of thing. So that's like Reed Richards and Namor the Submariner and those guys and all that kind of stuff. Um, but this version of the Illuminati consists of uh, Peggy Carter, uh, Haley Atwell returns as Captain Carter, uh, yes. which you saw a version of that in What If, uh, which got a huge applause in my theater. People are very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next one is uh, Black Bolt, who is played by Anson Mount, who is reprising his role from the Inhumans TV show that no one watched. <laughs> All right, sure. <laughs> and that got zero applause in my theater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was cool to see. Like, I, I, you know, I like the Inhumans-ish. Like, they're just in a lot of those Fantastic Four comics in the 70s. So I was like, ah, oh, it's cool to see Black Bolt here. It's co- and I was wondering if it was the same guy from uh, the Inhumans TV show. Mm. And it was. But, like, I have never watched the Inhumans TV show because no one has ever seen the Inhumans yeah. TV show. But it's still kind of cool to see him. And then it's uh, Lashana Lynch playing uh, Maria Rambo, right, as as the, as this universe's version of Captain Marvel. Right. Um, which also did not get applause in my theater. I think it took people a second to recognize her. Yeah. Um, but it was still kind of cool to see her. And like, oh, that's that's a cool, like, different thing. Uh, and then John Krasinski shows up as Reed Richards. And my, in theater, my theater went fucking apeshit for that. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of applause in my theater for it. And, you know, it was one of those things when it happened, I did, like, kind of like, oh, shit, because that was, like, it was a big fan cast thing where, like, People on the internet have been saying for months or years, whatever, John Krasinski should play Reed Richards, Emily Blunt should play Sue Storm, and all that kind of thing. And I think with this, this may have been the perfect fan service ripping away of (laughs) this character. And we'll talk about that in a second. But I think that Marvel kind of like, this was actually a genius move, because the way they've set it up, if they want to cast John Krasinski as Reed Richards, they can. 
it, it's established now. But they also don't have to because this is a multiverse version of this character. Right. <laughs> you know, and uh, also we saw this character get ripped to shreds. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and then Professor Xavier, Patrick Stewart shows up. Uh, and it's a different version of the Patrick Stewart who was in the X-Men movies, basically. Right. Uh, who already has a few different versions in the X-Men movies because <laughs> there's him and James McAvoy. And then there's Logan, which is sort of a different thing and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so this is Patrick Stewart. And he's sort of like um, modeled after the X-Men animated series uh, version of Professor X. He has like the right. big yellow chair that he's uh, kind of going through. And you hear like a little bit of the music kind of in the background, too. Which, by the way, Danny Elfman did the score for this movie, who also did the score for the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Knocks it out of the park. I think. The, the, the score for this movie, that, that's one of the most like unremarkable things about most Marvel movies is their score. Like, the music is just generally pretty unmemorable. And uh, Danny Elfman kills it. Knocks it out of the park. Uh, which yeah. was great because actually the first Doctor Strange, I think, also has a pretty good theme. The uh, the Master of the Mystic Arts. Like, yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, the Illuminati stuff is very cool. Very weird, uh, but it was the thing. It's the th- like in the moment I was very excited, and then obviously they all die. So like that's cool, right? But, which ruled, which ruled. <laughs> but but it was like you kind of get. I kind of got there right before they all died, where I was like, oh wait, it's the, like it doesn't like people have been wanting Captain Carter forever. People have been wanting John Krasinski. Not that I necessarily care about that, particularly right. John Krasinski. But I was like. When he first showed up, I was like, oh, my God, they fucking did it. And then I was like, oh, but it's the multiverse, whatever. And then he turns into spaghetti. And I was like, oh, OK, all right. Um, <laughs> all right, we're back in. <laughs> we're back in, baby. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, th- this whole sequence. Oh, sorry, we going to say, Mike? Uh, but uh, yeah, so like as it's building up to that and like having Ultron bots be like the Sentinels or whatever, yeah. I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. Um, and then and then Wanda just killing all of the Ultron bots first. So she comes out all covered in like oil, which is like very like clearly it's supposed to look like blood but it was also the thing that made me like want people to know about like using non-human things to make it look gory is like the oldest trick in the book yeah back to the evil dead deadite (laughs) spitting up milk instead of blood (laughs) absolutely yeah it was it was a clever way to get around like you know it's a pg-13 movie they can't show too much blood so it's a clever way to kind of get around that yeah yeah but i was like people are definitely chalking this up to the like it's too gory uh no anyway uh, but then this is probably the gor- goriest, quote unquote, most violent part of the movie where she just yeah. single handedly picks them apart. It is it is incredible. I mean, you know, when, when this was happening, like I was enjoying it, like seeing all these people show up and then they're kind of just talking to Doctor Strange for a little bit and telling him, you know, what happened in their universe. And I was like, OK, yeah, this is kind of interesting, but I'm ready to get to the next thing. And then, you know, Wanda shows up and the Illuminati goes to deal with her and I didn't expect them all to die. No, not at all. <laughs> you know? uh, and it, it, they die in the most like brutal ways, uh, which was so cool. You know, and so, I mean, you get it. <laughs> they show up and they confront Wanda and uh, John Krasinski's kind of leading them. And he's like, oh, you know, Wanda, you know, we, we don't want to hurt you. We don't want to do anything. And uh, Scarlet Witch is like currently she's like taken over the body of her that universe's Wanda, who right. has the two kids, Billy and Tommy from WandaVision. Which, by the way, Vision not seeming to be a factor in this movie at all, which which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, um, she says like, his name like twice, and that's it. Right, but it's it's sort of weird that like like those kids exist in those other universes if like Vision's not around, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I it, guess. I mean, he might be. I don't know, but I, it just it doesn't see. If he was, I would think she would be focused on that also. <laughs> you know, trying to get Vision back. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's very strange the way they handle 
the kids in this movie because like they say it a couple times strange points it out like you invented them they don't exist yeah in this universe i guess but like in other universes they do i mean i guess in like the whole infinite possibilities whatever sure yeah exactly uh it's very weird um and yeah vision doesn't come up at all ever really like where's this that universe's vision you know i want what what what's she right. doing yeah, yeah. The, does she have those kids with vision or with someone else or was vision still killed by thanos in this universe like you know it's still kind of undetermined but uh yeah any, anyway this whole illuminati sequence happens and uh you know they confront wanda and i like that moment i actually really like john krasinski as reed richards in these in this few minutes i think he was pretty good in it yeah you know like if he was reed richards in the in the actual fantastic four movie they eventually make i'd be fine with it i, I think they should probably recast it into somebody else just because i think like his extent for it like his role was good for this scene you know <laughs> he was good for this purpose it, precisely to kind of mess with fan expectations and being like oh yeah they're finally doing it and uh i, I don't know how did your theater react when all of the characters died in the most brutal ways i think my theater i don't it was my like nobody applauded when anybody sh- it was really weird actually really yeah interesting uh, it was very strange where nobody was like cheering like when the 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 shield like when she th- Captain Carter throws the shield out of the shadows the first yeah. time which was cool as fuck uh, and there was like nothing I don't that's like, so strange what yeah but I think they were like oh you know kind of like shocked at how kind of graphic it was particularly Black Bolt um, who blows his own head up basically um, yes yeah she like seals his mouth uh, so that he can't speak anymore which Black Bolt's whole power is that if he speaks he can like send a sonic shockwave out at you and basically annihilate you yeah uh, and so she like it does the Matrix thing. Thing where his mouth disappears yeah. and then he tries to scream and then when he does his brain fucking blows out <laughs> yeah it's fucking gnarly um but now i'm thinking sort of back a little bit with john krasinski so aren't they sort of locking him in because all the other actors are playing their same characters right like peggy Haley atwell is peggy carter maria rambo is still lashana lashana lynch right so like, is it gonna have to be Reed Richards? Does it have to be Krasinski? I don't, I don't think it needs to be because uh, you know Spider Man has already established that different actors can Good be point. different uh, characters in multiverses, right? Good point. So yeah. you yeah, got yeah. Toby, you got Andrew, you got Tom Holland. Uh, it doesn't need to be John Krasinski in the in the Fantastic Four movie. Yes, boom, lawyered. Now back to murder. Yes, Black Bolt head explodes. Reed Richards turns into rubber. That was the coolest shit. Like, yeah, it like like slices out his whole body and then his head explodes at the end. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. Um, oh man, it was so good. And his like scream. And I love that. So they established right beforehand that he has kids. And, yeah. <laughs> and she and Juan is like, oh good, they'll have someone to take care of them and like yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty intense. <laughs> um, yeah, she like you know, strings out Reed Richards and he explodes and then. Uh, Captain Marvel in this universe slash Captain Carter, they like go their separate ways and Captain Carter has that moment. There's one of my favorite uh, like audience turns. Uh, I, I will say my audience was pretty subdued for this movie too. The two people next to me hated the movie. Really? Like, truly. It was a couple. It was a guy and a girl. And, uh, you know, the guy, I mean, genuinely from the outset, like from the beginning of the movie, disliked it wow. and spent most of the movie, the guy with like his head in his hands, like just... <laughs> just so upset at what was happening. And like his girlfriend was like consoling him. It seemed like, like she was like rubbing his back and being like, it's okay. Oh my God. And honestly, I think she was sort of enjoying the movie at first until she saw how much, how upset he was. And then at the end of the movie, she was like, I was just waiting for it to get good that whole time or whatever. And it's like, you don't have to pretend for him. It was pretty good. It was good. (laughs) It was good stuff. But in any case, uh, one of the weirdest like audience turns that I, I was expecting, you know, 
thunder applause throughout the entire movie like it was with No Way Home, where right. like No Way Home, I almost had trouble like hearing some stuff in the movie because of how loud people were cheering. You know, whenever like Daredevil showed up or whatever, like it was yeah. thunderous applause for a minute. And here there wasn't really any of that until the Illuminati scene. You had Captain Carter showing up, got applause. Reed Richards got applause and Xavier got applause. Right. And then the and then the fight scene happens. And, you know, the entire theater just goes silent when Black Bolt dies. And then yeah. it, it's like even more silent when Reed Richards dies. <laughs> and then Captain Carter, you know, is in a fight with Wanda and she has a moment where she like seems like she almost gets the upper hand for a second or like Wanda knocks her down. She gets back up and she's like, what are you doing? And and Captain Carter says, huh, I could do this all day. And yeah. the theater, my theater applauded. My theater's like, yeah, yeah, she can. And then she dies immediately after that. And the theater, like the, the way the applause just like cut off. <laughs> <laughs> um yes that movement incredible um it was pretty fun i was like okay that's fun i like that that she said that right and she throws the shield at wanda and she like force catches it and throws it back at yep peggy car at uh Captain slices Carter. her in half and i thought they were gonna show her fall in two different direct like i like that's how graphic like how violent the movie has been at this part point yes i was like oh my god are they gonna show it um but no she falls over you're like you see all only from like the chest up but you see yes. the bloody shield and stuck in the wall behind her it's just like Oof. yes amazing <laughs> um i really thought you were gonna see like her legs go one way and her top go a different direction which would have been wild um absolutely yeah and then i think uh what is uh captain marvel just get like crushed right just, like, yeah just... captain marvel's like flying around and shooting energy beams and then like wanda like throws him back at her and like the entire like statue like comes crumbling down on captain marvel and you see your hand like uh drop down like dead kind yeah of thing like under, under the statue <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and that that and then professor xavier comes in and he like tries to go into the mind of wanda and this like tries the, to... the darkest one for me i think oh yeah yeah this is intense and it's pa- i mean it's patrick stewart like we've been watching this guy in movies as professor xavier for 20 plus years you yeah. know he's he's been in like 10 11 movies <laughs> As as Professor X, people are excited to see, like, you know, the X-Men finally making their way into the MCU. And, you know, he goes into Wanda's mind and he's trying to lift her out, like, of the uh, of the rubble, like the uh, that that universe's version of Wanda inside her mind. Yeah. Uh, and then Scarlet Witch comes up behind him and fucking kills her. Snaps his, <laughs> as like a zombie demon version of herself out of a cloud. Um, yes. Real gnarly. Yeah, and I and like snaps how his neck both in the dream and in real life. And in real life, yeah. <laughs> um, I was impressed a little bit with that too, like kind of in the like the fuck you to the fans sort of way thing, like the John Krasinski stuff that we've been talking about, where a lot of people kind of guessed maybe or hype hypothesized that this was gonna be how they get the mutants, the X-Men into the MCU, because I believe this plot line in the movie, like the House of M or whatever, yeah. in the comics, is like finding out that Wanda is Charles' daughter or something, right? Like Magneto's, is, daughter. Magneto's, Magneto's daughter. Yes, you're right. Magneto, yeah. So a lot of people thought that this would be like they'd cross the multiverse and bring them into this, like into the MCU. Uh, and then for them to just fucking literally snap <laughs> Professor <laughs> X's neck. Nasty. Nasty yeah. movie. So good. And it's and it's clear that it's like a different Professor X than yes. it is in the actual X-Men movies. Or at least it's clear to like if you're paying attention to the multiverse stuff. If you're a casual viewer of this stuff and you're like, oh wow, Professor X is here. What? <laughs> 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 uh, 
which I think is how the couple next to me kind of reacted to it. Like they were like they were so excited about the crossover, and then like they were like, I can't believe they fucking killed the Reed Richards. Like they were so mad about it. Oh my god, <laughs> and all that stuff, uh, which was pretty great. Uh, and that's sort of why. I mean, it seems like the reaction to this movie it seems pretty divisive, or but I think sort of more veering towards the positive. I think I think more people are on board with Doctor Strange too than they are against it, I guess. But there are definitely fans who are just like, like, it's one of those things where it's a Marvel movie that took a lot of risks and did something different. And so a lot of fans hate it as a result of it. Yes, that's, that's, I think, sort of where I kind of land on it uh, or my takeaway from it is like, you finally get like an auteur driven, you know, like a director with a voice to make one of these movies and it challenges you uh, and you're, it's, you're going to never get one again now. Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's, it's the, it's the same people who dislike this one are also the ones who are like, Iron Man 3 is the worst one. Like that's, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. The people that think The Last Jedi is a bad movie, uh, like, <laughs> you know, push push the envelope with the stuff that you like, <laughs> you know, let things let things challenge you a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is sort of like a lot of the, like the kind of cultural stuff that I've seen push back against that reaction and be like, you know, the this is what happens when children's movies are the dominant thing for 20 years or whatever. And that's fair. That I mean, that's fair. I mean, I think these are. You know, I think children's movies is, I mean, it's based on children's comic books. They are comic books meant for kids, for sure. And these have been turned into four quadrant blockbusters that are meant for theoretically all ages, like like anybody. But that includes kids. And it's based on kids' source material. So, of course, yeah, it's going (laughs) to, yeah. like, if you're going to try to do something different with it, which it's weird because there are R-rated versions of these the material in movies, right? You have Logan and you have Deadpool. uh, And it it seems like, I I don't know, I mean, there, there just seems like some weird perception where it can only be, like, a very family-friendly version of this thing or a very hard R version of this right. thing. Yeah. And there's no in-between. Not allowed, yeah. I saw some people trying to be like, there should be a new rating in between PG-13 yeah, and R. Yeah, I saw that. Somebody being like, you know, NC-13 or you know, no children or 15 or something like that. Like, yeah. And it's like, what, like you know, are, who? T- why are Helen Lovejoys taking over Twitter? <laughs> you know? <laughs> just, just... Just like we are, we already introduced PG 13. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even have to do that. We could have left it a GPG and R. I know. Or, I did or see- let's get rid of the rating system entirely. <laughs> let's uh, dismantle the system of oppression. <laughs> for real, though. I saw a lot of filmmakers like Mick Garris and a couple other people like in the horror community uh, being like, oh, you've realized the, like the MPA is just full of shit now, huh? Like yeah. you, you understand it now. Um, <laughs> you is, got it. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of running out of stuff to say because it's uh, 12, <laughs> 12.30 in the morning we, here. We've been podcasting for like six hours at this point. Yeah. Yes. So uh, yeah, we should start wrapping this up pretty soon. I mean, just real quick. I mean, the ending of the movie takes oh, you yeah. through this, uh, this other universe uh, where Doctor Strange and Christine kind of jump in there and they meet this evil Doctor Strange and Strange has this battle with his evil self, uh, which turns into a battle of musical notes which is delightful uh <laughs> probably the cool like the single coolest most original thing that's ever been in the mcu <laughs> <laughs> It was delightful. It was great. They were like taking like notes off the music sheet and turning them into like, you know, spells and Danny Elfman's score is like using like, it's like Beethoven's fifth or whatever. Yeah, and Beethoven you know. and Bach are battling each other yeah. and shit. And it's like, <laughs> it's like some Fantasia shit. Like it was, yes. it, was it was fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. So that rule, want to give a shout out to that, uh, you know, and yeah, eventually it's all to make it back to the main universe. Uh, and I love the payoff to the fact that Dr. Strange buried the dead Dr. Strange body earlier in the movie yeah. because now he can use that reanimated corpse yes. <laughs> to fight in the main universe. And so now it's a zombie Dr. Strange. 
Yes. Climbing up this mountain, facing off against Scarlet Witch. Wong is there, and uh, you know she's got America hostage, and you know all that kind of stuff. And it just turns into like Doctor Strange and the Souls of the Damned trying to fight with Scarlet Witch, and it's very Raimi stuff, and it was a lot of fun. That shit was awesome. When he's like, "You need to protect me from," she's and Christine is like, "From what?" He's like, "The souls of the dead," and then like falls backwards <laughs> yeah. into this black void, uh, you know, and then they come out of him. I was, the f- I was like, what? That was awesome. Yeah, and the, like the POV shots of them like attacking Christine and attacking Wong and like all that stuff of the like spooky souls uh, was just like the deadites <laughs> from Army yep. of Darkness. Um, very fun. Yes, um, absolutely. And if, and if they were stop motion, this movie would be five stars. Like, five, just straight five, up. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that like last universe, uh, like where it's like the universes have smashed together and it kind of looks like Inception. <laughs> Um, yes. You know, just a book recommendation for uh, The Shades of Magic by V.E. Schwab, uh, which is a wonderful little trilogy that's all about like dimension and universe hopping, which I am like, she should sue them for that because <laughs> really? the, there is different <laughs> versions of London in that in the books uh, and white London uh, is like the one where magic has died. And it's it's the, it's this it's this it's just like a all white washed out sand beach, uh, like crumbling London. <laughs> OK. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, check those books out. They're very good if you like, you know, kind of fantasy dimension hopping stuff. And then yeah, if Wanda kills herself, maybe not really, probably to probably destroy not. The, I mean, to destroy yeah. the tower, you know, Se- seemingly dies, but probably not. I'm sure we can find a way to bring her back. It doesn't show her actually dying. No. So and you know there and and this movie has not shied away from showing other characters dying. Yeah. Uh, so you got to imagine she's probably alive somewhere. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I wanted to talk about the last or the first post credit scene. Um, yes, like what was that? You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, it took it took me a second too because I was trying to figure it out. I mean, first I was trying to figure out who the actress was because like I like I, I figured it out pretty quickly. But like basically the way this post credit scene goes, uh, you know, so at, at the end of the movie, Strange's third eye opens up, right? Uh, which is a great like final horror shot to end the movie on, where he's yeah. just like screaming like ah. Uh, which I, I also, I mean, another weird similarity to Everything Everywhere All at Once. That's also a movie that heavily features the third eye, right? Right, right. Um, although in that movie, it's googly eye. It should have uh, been a googly great. eye in this movie, yeah. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. But the post credit scene uh, shows you, and it shows Doctor Strange like walking, and it looks like, it almost looks like showing you that same scene from a different perspective at first. Yes, yeah. Uh, which I think was kind of interesting. And then right after that, it, so it shows Doctor Strange walking, and then a portal opens up, and uh, somebody jumps in, and Charlie's Theron. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and it's Charlie's Theron playing Clea, who is a pretty major uh, Doctor Strange supporting player in the Doctor Strange comics in the 60s and 70s and kind of throughout, you know, the history of Marvel and stuff. But yeah, she is was like a captive of Dormammu in the 60s and, you know, is a sorcerer that's, you know, on, on par with Doctor Strange in terms of her powers and all that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that you wouldn't know unless you read the comics, basically. Yeah. Um, which is one of those posts. It, that's the kind of thing I dislike about some of the post credit scenes where if you didn't watch, like, there are post credit scenes that work if you have just watched the movie, <laughs> you know? Right. And, and I like those. Like, those are the ones that I'm like, okay, this like builds on what we saw in the movie and it's a tease towards the next thing. Uh, when you have to read the comic to know what's going on in the post credit scene, that's just like an, an extra bit of homework for people to uh, kind of uh, latch on to. Uh, which is a little bit annoying. But at the same time, it was meant to be a fan servicey moment. They got Charlize Theron playing Cleo, which is good casting. It's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> so I was down for that, but I could see like you having no knowledge of who Cleo is. We're like, hey, Charlize Theron's here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only thing that I was like sort of excited by about that, like other than Charlize Theron is now in the uh, MCU, 
when she like cuts the hole in the universe or whatever, and she's like, "You have to, you've you've made a mistake. We have to go back and fix it or whatever." Yes, it's. it's I think it's like the dark universe, right? Like, yeah, what's the dark th- dimension. Dark dimension. Yeah. So like that was the thing I was excited about because I was like, "Oh, I remember that from the first movie. That's fun." Uh, yeah. And they jump through and they go away, but I was like, "I don't know what anything that just happened." Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, it looks like he's just gonna have more adventures. You know, what else do you need to know? You know. Yeah. True. Yeah. I gotta know. <laughs> did Pizza Papa get paid? And by the end of the movie, we. No. Yes. Uh, did he get paid? I don't know, actually. I think they stole that I'm, from him. You're right. Yeah. I think they stole his pizza balls or whatever it was. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which that's that's also something I would like to see more of, just weird multiverse stuff, you know, like the, you yeah. know, the pizza balls or like the fact that you, you know, you walk on red or whatever and, you know, that kind of thing. It's just like weird, like odd multiverse things. Uh, which again, maybe they could have done more of if they visited more universes, uh, which, yeah. you know, maybe they're saving for other movies. Who knows? But uh, in any case, Multiverse of Madness. I, I really enjoyed it. I, it is genuinely a, a top five MCU movie for me. Uh, I think the, the thing holding it back from like being my like number one or two is uh, all of the extra stuff you need to know in order to get get into the movie. Yeah. Because um, if I, you know, I look at my other MCU top five, which uh, right now it stands at number five, Doctor Strange 2. Number four, Captain America, the first Avenger. Don't need to know anything going into that. It's Captain America. Like, it's just a story. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Same deal. Uh, Number two, Black Panther. uh, Builds off of Civil War, but you don't need to watch Civil War in order to to get it. And my number one is Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which you only need to watch the first Guardians of the Galaxy in order to watch it. And even then, you really don't even actually need to. It's a pretty standalone (laughs) story on its own. (laughs) Yeah, it's right there in the title that it's a sequel, though. Exactly, yeah. So that's, and that's how it theoretically should work. Like, I, I, the only movie I should have had to watch for Doctor Strange 2 was Doctor Strange, right? Uh, theoretically. But because of the whole interconnected universe thing, uh, that's just not necessarily going to be the case anymore, which is going to be a turn is a turnoff for a lot of people, uh, I know, and I'm uh, including you. But I'm also watching all this stuff anyway. So it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this might have broken the spell, which is very weird uh, to say for a movie that I liked for the most part. Um, <laughs> and a movie about magic. And a movie about magic. Um, yeah, yeah. I loved it. I liked the same Raimi stuff. I was I was in I was on board for all that. Uh, but it was just kinda like, meh, I don't know anymore, you know? Maybe I don't need to see every one of these anymore. Fair enough. But you'll be back whenever Sam Raimi comes out with another one. Well, I mean, that's for the Sam Raimi. <laughs> of course, yeah. And and you'll be back for uh, Thor Love and Thunder because you have to uh, for the Golden Puck. For the Golden Puck. But that's also, I think, you know, he's the other, Taika Waititi is one of the other, like, directors that puts his stamp on his movies. And I really love Thor Ragnarok. That's probably my number one. So, like, I would, I'll see Guardians, you know, I'll see when they have interesting filmmakers making their MCU version, you know? Fair enough. Yes. Yeah, I think it's the way to do it honestly so uh there you go that is dr strange in the multiverse of madness a movie that uh you know mike liked uh but felt ambivalent about at the same time and uh, a movie i really enjoyed i, I love i love seeing sam raimi back in the director's chair and uh, i hope this means that there, we will get more sam raimi movies in the near future yeah. um because i i rewatched drag me to hell this weekend uh inspired by dr strange 2 and I was like, how is he not making one of these every two years? Like, right. <laughs> you know, how, 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 are, how are we not getting a million of these all the time? We, we should be getting at least uh, like I there were rumors of a drag me to hell, too, for a long time. And I remember the rumor at a certain point was that there was going to be a drag me to hell, too, in which Justin Long teamed up with Bruce Campbell playing Ash. Uh, in oh order to God. in order to get back Allison Lohman from hell like that was the idea yeah. and I'm not sure if that was a rumor that actually existed or it was one that I made up in my head <laughs> but That's... like let's let's manifest that into the world yes <laughs> you know I'm in I'm in sign me up that sounds great uh, 
All right. Anyway, uh, Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you'd like to donate to support the show, you could do that on our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods, plural, because we have two podcasts. Yes, we do. You can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts, but all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. So next week, we'll just be doing some general discussions on the podcast. And in the meantime, The Complete Works is doing our grand Goldblum finale this week. Uh, the final episode until the next Goldblum episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, but but it's a grand countdown. We're counting down our top 10 uh, Goldblum movies, our top 10 performances, our top five discoveries, and a few other kind of miscellaneous categories uh, that we're throwing in there too. It is an epic, basically four hour long episode of the podcast. Uh, it's a long one. So uh, buckle in for that one. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the reason it's almost 1 a.m. here right now. So please <laughs> listen to it tomorrow when it drops. <laughs> Yes, Mike is going to be so tired at work tomorrow. We need it to be worth it for something. <laughs> Correct, please. <laughs> All right, and that is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We will see you on the other side. <laughs>